chapter 12 of Mark, if you want to follow along. Good to see our young adults up here singing. That's kind of neat and playing. Got uh, Foria up here, I think, drummer and singers. This is good. Always fun in the holidays to get to get a little extra of that. That's uh, uh, fun to do. As we continue in Mark here, um, chapter 12, verse 18, remember, again, all the Gospels do this, but Mark, maybe even more, is trying to take us by the hand and kind of show us who Jesus is. And it's always good if you yourself are trying to know more about him or you're, you have a friend that wants to know, just, you know, let the Gospel writers take him by the hand and show him who Jesus is. It's it w- We got what we need. Um, there's different, uh, there's four different ones. You get to pick a little bit of different flavor each one. Mark is a good one for someone who doesn't like to read because it's pretty quick. Uh, it's uh, And hopefully after you get into Mark a little bit, maybe you'll start liking to read. That's always a fun thing. Um, but we got another group. We've had some group. We had Pharisees. We had Herodinians. We've had all kinds of different groups coming to try to trick Jesus and try to corner him. Remember, this is the last week. We're just a couple days off of uh, his trial. Uh, so... Uh, most of the Gospels, 40% of the Gospels are that last uh, week. So we have the Sadducees coming to him in verse 18 who say that there's no resurrection. And they ask him a question saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. So there were seven brothers. The first took a wife and he died and left no offspring. And the second took her and died and leaves no offspring. And the third likewise. And the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as a wife. So, Pretty good question. Seems like a good tricking question. But we all know, because you've been here, that the smartest person in the world is Jesus. So he's going to get this right. He's going to figure out a good way. And I like the way he starts. Um, you know, we have different views of Jesus. I always say when you pray, if you're praying to the Father, pray to Jesus, you, you close your eyes, what you picture is going to change what you pray. And what you picture is going to be based on how you know him. Uh, and sometimes Jesus becomes just, you know, for some people, he's just, a, you know, a lamb petting sage, which I'm sure he maybe petted a few lambs in his day. But um, he's, he gets into people's faces pretty good. He does it here. Um, I like it. Jesus says to them, is this not the reason you are wrong? Notice he doesn't beat around the bush much there. Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses in the passage about the bush how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. Um. I know Jesus doesn't sound like he's read the Carnegie How to Win Friends and Influence People here, uh, but he's, it's time to teach, and he's doing it. He's only got a few days to do it. Now, the Sadducees, uh, if you're a kid, maybe you remember these songs, you know, the Sadducees were sad, you see. Well, now we know why. Uh, they, they, they didn't believe in the resurrection, which is really odd, you know. Uh, a lot of people don't believe that today, right? You probably know people, and maybe you're struggling with that yourself, is this is it. Uh, this, is, this is all we have. Um, the Sadducees had to deal with what we have now. 
I don't know if any of them wrote a book. There was a book that's fairly popular but just horrible theology that's out there today called Your Best Life Now. Um, that maybe a Sadducee could have written that book. You know, this is all you have. Uh, well, who were these guys? Well, they were Jewish, religious, and political party, kind of. Um, they claimed their descendant from David, uh, David's high priest, Zadok. And if you, I don't know if you know Greek, Hebrew, or anything, but, you know, if you know Spanish and English, you know how words kind of morph and, and do different things. You know, Zadok, they're the, actually the Zadokasees is what this actually stands for, uh, the high priest Zadok. So they think they came from that, and they controlled the temple. So when we had a couple weeks ago when Jesus comes in and turns those tables over, takes over the temple for all day, these are the guys he's going against. Um, they most likely only followed the five books of Moses. We're almost sure of that. Um, and they taught that there was no resurrection of the dead, which is the word anastasis. We've, we have a song like that, uh, uh, anastasis. It just kind of means standing up again, you know, but it's, it, it became a word for resurrection. It's just kind of a cool word. Um, but it's the idea that of the dead, you know, not uh, that the, the this isn't the, the your best life now. This is actually almost your worst life now <laughs> because of what we're going to have in the future. And we've sung about that quite a bit. And so their question in the scenario is, it's insincere because they're asking what's going to happen in the resurrection. They don't believe there's going to be a resurrection. So they're trying to trap him just like they did, uh, the others did last week with the coin. You know, who, who do you pay tax? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar? Uh, thinking that they had him cornered, and you're welcome to read that to find out. Didn't corner him there either, so... Where does this come from, this, this uh, idea of the woman taking the brother and all? It's weird for us, right? This is, not, this is one of those examples that when you read a text, you've got to have it in context. Nowhere in the Bible just says we have to do this now. So if you're married to somebody and, you don't, and if you're like a woman and you don't like their brother, you're good. If they happen to die, you're good. You don't have to worry. This was, this was to protect the women. It was to protect the society. It was all those types of things. Um, and it, it, it comes, you know, in, in Deuteronomy 25, we have this. It's a little odd for us uh, to read this. Um, and I don't know about you. How would you like to be that seventh brother? You're like, really? I mean, they've got a, a Avenger called this, but like Black Widow is what we're like. Yeah, it's kind of. It would be an interesting thing. But they're trying to kind of trick him here. They're, they're trying to make a logical case against the doctrine of the resurrection. It just doesn't make sense. The Pharisees taught this was true. And, it, and even if you go, one of the coolest things that Paul does, who was also very bright, not as bright as Jesus, but when he's in trouble, at, in trial toward the end of Acts, you got Pharisees and Sadducees are trying to get him executed. And he says, it's because of the resurrection that I'm on trial. And then they fight, and he kind of just slinks off, you know, gets out of the way. So be wise to use this. But, but they were just going to use Moses' teaching to show this. Um, and Jesus' answer is just so cool. And you have to be careful with this um, because we're not Jesus. But I just love, you are wrong. It's not, he didn't even say, it's like, well, you know, some people believe that and you know, and we, we, it's okay to do that sometimes, to ask questions. But Jesus, I think, had just pretty much had enough. And he just says, you're wrong. And, and I think in our day and age, we have this idea that we can't say that to someone. When I was a math major, they didn't seem to have any trouble telling me when I was wrong. Right? I mean, that's, that's just normal. I mean, I in certain things. You don't want to do that with 
with people when you're doing like science and math, you don't want to be wrong. You know, you don't want to get 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 that messed up. Um, what's the old adage? Even if you're doing construction, what is it? You know, measure twice, cut once. Although it's still off when I do it, I don't know how that works. Uh, but I guess it's just talent. Uh, but but I think you 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 are wrong. There are certain propositions that Jesus puts out there, and he thinks they're right. And you can disagree. People have. I mean, what's going to happen in a couple of days? They're going to kill him. These people don't agree with him. But he, he either he's wrong and they're right, or they're wrong and he's right. Both can't be true. And that's sometimes if you're talking with someone or in your own life, how do you find truth? Well, when something completely is different on both sides, it's, it's called the law of excluded mineral, the law of, law of non-contradiction. Something can't be true and false at the same time, in the same way, and in the same manner. Jesus, we can't call Jesus Messiah, Savior, Son of God of the whole universe, creator of everything, and he's also just a guy that kind of had some misguided philosophy and they killed him. One of those is wrong, right? And that's just logic. That doesn't have anything to do with Christianity there. Just using pure logic. They can't both be right. And that's the way you can talk with people sometimes. And again, hopefully you get them to look at Jesus. Because our belief is because he's God, nobody can say those three words to him. Many tried. You notice they don't say anything after this. I think they tuck their tails between their legs and go off like the Pharisees. And but nobody, we believe, as evangelical Christians, that we can't say to you, you're wrong. There's days when I'm like, are you sure? I mean, don't we all pray that way sometimes? I don't think you're seeing this the way it is, God. My scenario is really messed up, and you could, I could really need some help here. And I don't, uh, do you really see this? I mean, it's kind of silly to say that, isn't it? But we don't want to say God is wrong, right? Job tried that. Read verse chapter 38 of Job, see how that worked out for him. We just come with our hat in our hand and just try to understand. And I think that's what we do in prayer. You are wrong. You're mistaken. You're led astray. You're deceived. You don't understand. You know, either Jesus is who he says he was or he's not. And we preach this and we teach that and we try to live it, but Nobody can make you believe it. That's really between you and God. But we want to get the truth out there. And that's what we try to do, and that's what they tried to do when they wrote this, when Peter gives the information to Mark to write this type of stuff. So what's the reason for their error? Well, it's really lack of knowledge. We call that ignorance. And when you put that in action, that's actually stupidity. I don't know if you knew that. You knew that was the stupid word was going to get in there somewhere, right? Ignorance, you don't know. What don't they know? Well, they don't know the scriptures. Like I said, it appears the Sadducees just saw the Pentateuch, the, the five books of Moses as canonical, as the standard, which caused them to misapply Deuteronomy here. They mess it up. Now, Jesus clearly saw the remaining portions of the Old Testament as canonical. I don't we have any, all the kids are out here because they know this answer, but how many books are in the Old Testament? 39. They thought there were five. So, you know, I was a math major, so I already got this in my head. That means there's 34 books that they didn't think were coming. Isaiah, the Psalms, 
I mean, there's some pretty good stuff in there if you read it. But they didn't think any of that was, was worth it. Jesus quotes these prophets all the time. We've got a problem, don't we? Either the Sadducees are right and the first five are the only ones we can do, or Jesus is right and all 39 are, are good. Who are you going to go with? Well, it's up to you. Go with whoever you want. Who are you going to trust? I guess that's what it comes down to. So they don't know the scriptures, at least they probably don't even know the first five very well, applicability anyway. But this is the one that's even, they don't know the power of God. To do what? Well, in this case, to resurrect. Bring new life to his people and his creation. You go back in Ezekiel, in the late in Ezekiel, you've got the Valley of the Dry Bones. It's a really, you know, as a kid, you know, I remember coloring that. Yeah, I was a weird kid. Well, my mom gave me the coloring book. What am I supposed to do? We didn't have all that stuff that you guys have. You know, we just coloring was our s iPhone. You know, but the Valley of the Dry Bones—it's it's death. You know, it, everything's dead, and then the spirit speak to the bones, and the spirit gives sinews and all. It's really cool uh, to look through that. It's a, it's a it's a picture of resurrection. So he says, when they rise for the dead, not 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 if. What happens when they rise from the dead? He's going to give us a little information about what that looks like, although we don't get a whole lot about that. But I want to go back to the power of God. We actually talked about this a little bit in our Roman study this morning. Um, this is a pretty easy question. I think you'll get it. Um, sin, is God for it or against it? Against it, okay. Everybody's good with that? God's against sin. All right, good. Now, does God want you to sin? Still, that's not hard, right? But sometimes we walk around and say, well, you know, we'll fall short. You know, we sin, you know, we're, we're all sinners and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, the Bible never tells you that you're that if you believe in Jesus. And you think, well, we can get cocky and think, well, I have the power to not sin. No, that's not what it says. <laughs> kind of. It's the power of the Spirit. It's the power of God. You know, we do this all the time. It's like when sin gets in us and our thoughts are, well, you know, we, we, we're always going to fall short and, you know, there's grace and God loves us. You know, what, you know what that's, Paul calls it, well, Paul doesn't call it this, but Bonhoeffer does, cheap grace. I mean, is that what we're after? Just your get out of hell free card? Is that what you want, you know? I mean, Aaron gave you four points today, so you're in pretty good shape. Someday we're going to figure out what those points are for. If I know, let me know. But the power of God in you, if the Spirit is within us, that's how you cannot sin. And if you think, well, I'm going to fall short, well, don't start that way. You know, I, I use this in the Roman study, too. The, my favorite verse is 1 John 1. Uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. And this is, this is good. Now, I think you can memorize this. It's not hard. Do not sin. Isn't that good? Should we go home? <laughs> I got a whole lot left. Um, do not sin, but did the next line. But if you do, you have an advocate in the Messiah. But where's the goal? That's the And again, sometimes when we give in, to it's the power that's there. And again, if you start getting cocky, you're messing it up. You know, it's the idea that the power of the Spirit and just trying to tap into that. And, I, you know, I don't know how that works anymore than you do. I think prayer helps. Worship helps. Studying the Scripture helps. Serving God helps. 
helps us focus on him. So they didn't know the power of God, and sometimes we don't either. The God who created everything. You know, you think about, I've been reading about nuclear fission and how that works, and it's, there's so much power there. But that's just a blip on what God's power. Can you imagine the power to get everything here? When you start thinking about what God did, most people believe that God created the universe. But then they struggle with him raising one dude from the dead. It's like, was well, that really that hard, given he kind of started everything from nothing? Or I've even heard people say, well, how did he get all those animals in a boat? I don't know. He had a shrink ray. What difference does it make? He's God. I mean, I, and they have actually, if you go to the Ark Encounter, anybody been there? Don't they have like a way they think that kind of, well, let's go with that, you know? I mean, th that's cool. It's in Kentucky, right? Yeah. I think that's the thing. It's it, it, the power of God. I don't think we're saying, well, it, you know, it's just a mystery. Well, it, there's power there. And science is so cool because it keeps finding more and more things that the Bible kind of already said. Not in a scientific way. But what about these marriage thing, this seven, seven husbands and you get to them, which one do you get? I thought maybe you'd say you get like a seven-sided die and you throw it. But that's not, he said, they're not, they don't marry or are given in marriage in the resurrection, but they are like the angels in heaven. Um, so they don't marry, referring to the men in the scenario, and they don't, aren't given in marriage, referring to the women. So it's talking about, um, I will not get into that, but there's just two there, um, men and women. You can do the math. They'll be like the angels in heaven now are. Well, what does that mean? At the very least, they don't procreate anymore. Uh, that, that looks like that's, that's angels. There's no information in that they do that. Um, and they are eternally alive with a non-fallen nature. That's kind of what I think you should grab on there. Um, as good as this world can be sometimes, it's just a blip on the screen of what the eternal life will be. We had 23 weeks of that when we looked at heaven. And that's, it's, it's a really good thing to hope for and think about. And then he goes back to the, the general doctrine of the resurrection. He even says that even in your own books, the one you think are, are right. Go back to the burning bush. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. He was afraid to look at God. That was Moses. So even though God gives us the power, I think, you know, you look at everybody that really encounters him, they're always like, you know, get away. Isaiah goes on his stomach. I mean, that's, there must have been some awe there. And think about, we'll get this when we get to the, uh, our Christmas series uh, here in Luke 1, we'll do for four or five weeks. What's almost always what the angel says to somebody when he appears to him? Fear not. Why do you think he says that? Because they're afraid. Why are they afraid? Probably some imposing dudes. And that's just angels. We're not even talking about God. No, M Moses was very smart to not look at that and, and, and know that. And then in verse 27, to kind of sum this little section up, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. I think he's kind of talking about your spiritual condition and kind of pointing at those guys. You're not really following God. You just think you are. Again, we talked about this last week, but when you think of Jesus and you think of God, you want to follow the right one, right? You want to follow the true Jesus. And you've got to figure out where you're going to find him. 
And that can be an intellectual thing, that can be a spiritual thing, it can be an emotional thing. But you've got to focus on the one that's true. Because the scariest verse in the Bible is in Matthew 7. When somebody comes to him and they, they say, well, didn't we, didn't we do things for you? And he says, I don't know you. And what does that mean? Well, that means that you probably aren't following the right one. You're probably following a caricature of God. And we put that out there. It's in our statement of faith. Find that on our website if you want. And that we believe that, you know, the, that the scriptures in their original writings are inerrant. You know, and, and we got good reasons for that, I think. Um, one is because the power of God. This is kind of a, I don't know if this is good for you, but if somebody asks you, why do you believe the Bible is inerrant? That there's no errors in it. And I always, I, one way you can do it, and you can give a lots of reasons for it, but one of my like to give is, don't you think the God who created everything could get his words right? I mean, don't you believe it's God-breathed? You know, if God put it out there, does it make any sense to say it's God-breathed air? What kind of God is that? Not a very powerful one. So some people believe that he can get everything in motion, get all the planets and everything and all the solar systems, but he just can't get his word right. Heck, I can even get an email right. You think God can get his word right? There's even, I don't know if you knew that, but there's actually inerrant dictionaries. And we're just a bunch of schmucks. <laughs> I think God can get 69 books right. On to our next little section here. So that didn't work. So, this, so one of the scribes come up. Now, at this point, we're thinking this guy's got to be annoying because all the rest of them are annoying. But this one, oh, this guy seems like he's maybe really seeking. We do this in Bible studies, but I just re remember that not read the text. Not everybody that came to Jesus was annoying. Most were. But this guy looks like he's really looking for something. So he comes up, and he hears them disputing with one another. He kind of overhears what's going on. And seeing uh, that Jesus had answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? This guy's smart. Did you, you know that, right? It's the Socratic method. How do you learn best? Asking questions. The second most important thing is who you ask the questions of. Jesus answered, and he just answers him. This is so cool. The most important is, now you're listening, right? So if somebody asks you what's the most important commandment, you're going to get it, right? Because it's right here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this. Now, he didn't ask for the second, did he? But he gets it anyway. This is like bonus material. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and that there is no other beside him. And to love him with all our heart and with all our understanding and with all our strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Which is sad, isn't it? Because he was still there. Wouldn't it, been, wouldn't it have been nice if people would ask him some good questions <laughs> instead of trick, trick me questions? 
I don't know if you noticed this, but Jesus just, he just quotes the Old Testament to give you the two greatest commandments. If you want to know more about Jesus, yes, read the New Testament. That tells us who he is, and then the letters tell us more about how we're supposed to live and what the theology of Christ is. But if you want to even know more, go to the Old Testament. A lot of the New Testament could be understood better if you just understand the Old. And Jesus just quotes this. Well, who wrote the Old Testament? Well, ultimately. You know, God did. And who do we think Jesus is? You ever think about the fact that he just quoted himself? So it's not plagiarism, right? So he's teaching that the Deuteronomy scripture is the most important one. And the Levitical one is mixed in importance. No other ones are greater than this. But don't get them messed up. I think sometimes our churches get this messed up. Without the first one, the second one doesn't even ultimately matter. If you don't love God, whether you love your neighbor is really just temporal. It doesn't really matter in the long run. Here are the two scriptures. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Right out of Deuteronomy 6. This is, in fact, it goes on to say, write, write it on your forehead, you know, Keep it on your hands, and that you, I don't know if you've ever heard of a phylactery. It's a thing, a little box you put on your head. You'll see these in Israel sometimes. And people who have it, you get a big box on your head. I mean, they, they do look stupid, I'll agree, but, but they're not. <laughs> because it's the idea, you know, it's metaphoric. You know, remember, we had this before. Jesus said, if your hand causes you to sin, what are you supposed to do with it? Any Baptist? Cut it off, thank you. Um, the Baptists will talk. I don't know. The E-free were too frozen, I think, sometimes. Um, <laughs> what about if your eye causes you to sin? Are we supposed to do that? Now, is that literal? So you think this is literal? Eh, not really. It's talking about it, your mind, what you think in your hand, what you do. Is that's He's talking about the, this should change what, how you think and how you live. So it's one of the first ones we got. You have to, when you get into Hebrew class, this is the first one you get to remember. Shema, Israel, Elonai, Eloheinu, Akkad. You know, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And the second one, you shall not take vengeance. And this is key because probably, you've probably had a question, and one w wise person asked this question in Luke. Who is my neighbor? Well, this kind of gives you at least some context. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So that's where neighbor means it for. And we'll look at that in a little bit. It's the sons of your own people. Love. What is love? Well, we know what that is, right? It's petting puppies and fat little angels with bows and arrows for some reason. Now, love is sacrificial, other-centered commitment and or care. How do you know what love is? You know, 1 John 3, 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ gave his up himself for us, and we are to do the same for us. It's sacrificial. You have to be strong to do this. You know, I think, especially guys, we, we get in this idea, well, the love is, is weak. Well, yeah, there is weak love out there. But this is strong. You know, it's the love of God is the, the power of God, the, the care of God, the, the other-sitted commitment of God. This is more powerful than anything. 
and all, with all your heart, with all your everything. In, in different ways, Deuteronomy actually puts it a little bit different than Jesus quotes it. Is it mind, mind, strength, power? Which What is it? It's everything. Your entire self. This is not supposed to be a partial commitment. I know that's out there in American Christianity, and I know we only worship one day in a week. But don't you worship every day? I hope so. Maybe not collectively with these cool songs, but don't you focus on God all the time? Your time, the things, all of your life is supposed to be His. It's pretty clear. And, you know, I know in my life, it really changed a lot when I finally figured out that was a good thing. <laughs> I've heard people say, well, you know, being a Christian, you just, it's just gotta really, can't use that word, uh, be bad. You just gotta really not like it, and then you're really a good Christian. Where the heck does it do that? You know, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. I know in my life, a lot of times I've tried to get that second one without even thinking about the first one. Give me the desires of my heart. I'm not delighting myself. You know, we say that before. It's like, well, you may not like it, but God wants you to not sin. It's like, well, wouldn't it be nice if we liked it? And I think we should pray that we would like it. So everything in our life. And I think I say that because I'm this, I'm this way sometimes too. There's days when I hear that and I'm like, eh. And then there's days when I hear like, that's, that's cool. Well, where are you? And what do I do? Wouldn't it be cool if every time we heard that, like, yeah, that's what I want. I'm going to give all myself to him, you know. That doesn't happen every day, does it? So much of our lives is in emotion, and that's okay. But the power of the scripture doesn't change. That's what's so cool about it. No matter how you feel, Psalm 23 is the same. If you're up or you're down, the scripture doesn't change. It's always there, no matter how you feel. And then you pray and hope that the feelings come with it. What about heart, soul, power, the way Jesus puts it? It's most likely referring to our will, our understanding, because that's the question here, is about knowing. He's referring back to, you know, in verse 24, knowledge of the Scriptures and the power of God. You know this, I hope, but knowing the Scripture is the best way to know God. So if you want to know Him better, we got Bibles out there if you want them. I didn't come up with this stuff. I would think it'd be cool if you could just call up Jesus and say, hey, I'm going to be home from 1 to 2. Could you come on over and we'll, we'll chat? Uh, that would be cool. But, it's, I mean, maybe later, not in this life. But right now, the way you know him best is through his scriptures. And then your, your worship is a response to that. Your prayer, you, how do you know how to pray? We're teaching the kids the Lord's Prayer. Why, why do we have the Lord's Prayer? Because the disciples were stupid. Well, okay, ignorant. Right? Teach us how to pray. Did they not know how to pray? You got 150 of them in the middle of the book. All these psalms, all these prayers. But there's something about Jesus. He had a connection. They wanted to know. So that's why we learn this stuff. You'll pray better if you know the scriptures more. Yes, and that is a plug for our Bible studies. Get on there. Get online. We got one every day, I think, don't we? Maybe not Friday. But we got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, I, we got one every day except that. So 
Avail yourself of them. Knowing God, that's how we, and go to the scriptures to know him better. That's what it's for. There's times when I go to the scripture for comfort and I'm like, wow, that wasn't very comfortable. But it's probably what I need. What's Jesus say? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So he loves us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Well, one of the things is to do what he said. And then we had this earlier. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So the scribe, he agrees with Jesus. He, he knows this stuff. Uh, but think about this. No other God beside him. He helps us understand this. You know, we get this idea that somehow the Shema, the, the, the Deuteronomy 6 uh, statement is against what we believe. The Trinity still believes there's one God, right? In three persons. So it gives the context of what one means. It means there's not other ones. No polytheism here. We got Zeus and Jupiter and Hera and Aphrodite and all those. To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God and there is no other God beside him. That's later in Deuteronomy. And what about neighbor? What's the one you're in communion with? It's the one you have your people is what it means back then. It's, this relationship involves moral and social obligations, which are frequently emphasized. That's what we have. That's what neighbor means. Now, what about the good Samaritan that comes in and who's your neighbor and all that? Well, apparently there was some obligation to this guy that's almost dead. Right now, he's your neighbor in emergency situations. And I like the way this scribe adds offerings and sacrifices don't matter. He's using the rest of the scripture. He probably knew Hosea 6 6. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more then I want burnt offerings. Know my word. I'm, I'm so glad you're here. It's cool that you're here today because it's a way to show God that hey, I, I, I'm responding to who you are and what you've done for me and what you will do for me. It's all about the heart, isn't it, and where we are. So this shows how one portion of Scripture can help us understand another if we know the whole thing. And I love the way you're not far from the kingdom of God. Really, all that's left is one thing. Follow me. You do that and you got it. You're right at the precipice. You've got this. So what are the threads here as we sum up? Well, there's knowledge and love through both of these sections with the Sadducees and with the scribe. Knowledge of the scriptures and the power of God should send us running to God to accept his love. If you really know who God is, you'll want to be, you'll want to be part of his family. And that's all he's shown in his grace. And the love of God should send us into his scriptures with a desire to know him and serve him better. That's a way to do it. And what a wonderful world we live in. You can get the Bible on your phone. Isn't that cool? There were very few phones back then that had the Bible on. This is good. And the knowledge of God should cause us to love our neighbor. Other-centered, sacrificial care. And that kind of goes full circle because the love of our neighbor should include helping them with the knowledge and power of God with the salvation of discipleship comes. Let us pray. Father, we know that your son had every word perfect, that every word that you had, these inspired writers write down, we believe was exactly what we should have. Sometimes it's hard to understand. Sometimes it's very easy
but yet some in, in those easy times it can be hard to accept. Right? May each one here realize the power of God in their life. That the spirit that comes with us can help us through anything, can lift us up, uh, can give us what we need. And may we, all of us want to be in your word. <coughs> may we love you with all our heart, mind, mind and strength and care about other people the way you tell us to. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.